Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The documentary film Writing with Fire focuses on India's social environment built to divide based on caste and gender and a fearless group of women journalists who maintain India's only women-led news outlet. The women from the caste system known as the Dalits run the newspaper Kabar Lahariya as they prepare to transition the newspaper from print only to digital and they continue their fearless work as investigative reporters reporting on gender violence, police corruption, environmental injustice, and more. Just a terrific documentary film. We're joined today by the co-directors of the film, Rintu Thomas and Shushmet Ghosh. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi, hi, Mike. Thanks for having us here. Thank you. Um, And thank you for your work, and thank you for a really emotional film to watch. And to appreciate what these women are going through in, in order to do not only what they seem to love to do, but also something beyond that. It's the service they provide, and it's also the role that they are portraying for other women to be involved. Tell me how you got started on this. Rintu, I'll start with you. So in, in 2016, we saw a photo story uh, profiling the work of Cavalleria. And it had an image of a woman walking across a media dark village with a newspaper in her hand. And she herself had helped uh, both report on and and, uh, market and distribute and produce that newspaper. And that was a pretty interesting image because being a Dalit woman who has always, I mean, that Dalit women have been consistently invisibilized in India's social structure. And for a Dalit woman to be a journalist in a region where journalism is is mostly the job of dominant caste men, uh, we were very intrigued and then spectacularly amazed at our own ignorance of not knowing about them because they were around for 14 long years as a print newspaper. So when we finally met them, they invited us to a meeting where they were discussing about the transition from print to digital. So <laughs> semi-literate women, who most of whom who had never touched a, a phone camera, were now discussing how this was going to work out. And the ambition, the intellect, the wit in that room was so attractive. And um, uh, we both got so drawn to the story. It was one of those stories that you that is impossible to walk away from. <laughs> Well, let's take a, a, a sort of a, a broader perspective here. And I would like to talk about the caste system in India. Shushmit, would you like to, to tackle that very large issue? I mean, sort of in the context of the film, certainly. Thanks, Mike. You, you throw the difficult one at me. But <laughs> I'll, try and, I'll try and be as succinct as possible. So, you know, uh, according to Hindu scriptures, Humans are born into four key castes. It's sort of like a pyramid hierarchy. And each of these four castes have multiple layers of subcasts within them. And it's sort of an occupational hierarchy for all practical purposes. You have the priests and the warriors sitting on top and, you know, the labor force at the bottom, very simplistically put. But the Dalit community is considered so impure. They have, they're not even considered a part of the caste system. And soon after independence in India, the constitution banned the practice of casteism. 
However, how do you get rid of uh, a social system that has been a part of uh, Hindu society for nearly 3000 years? It's almost impossible. And I think that caste plays out in insidious ways in India. And, and both Rintu and I come from the cities and, and we have the privilege of having been afforded really the best that uh, one can get in our country. But when, as filmmakers, we went into Uttar Pradesh, which is the state where uh, Khabar Leheria is based, and we went into these media dark spaces where these journalists were reporting on essentially what is caste-based violence, it really shook us to the core to see how obviously it plays out. I mean, for instance, just to give a, a non-Indian audience a context to how violent it, it can get, uh, caste segregation essentially means that there are parts of villages where the Dalit community would not have physical access to, the village well would not be for the Dalit community. There would be separate walking paths from the periphery of the village that they would be allowed to use and not enter physically the space of a village. In some places, it's practice uh, in a way where if you're a Dalit and the very act of looking at someone from an upper caste is seen as an act of violation and impurity. So it is in this frame and in this context that you have, that we discovered the work of these women journalists in Khabar Lahiri, and I think naturally drawn to what they were doing essentially because as Dalit women, they were literally at the bottom of India's social culture hierarchy, so to speak. And so to see them inverting that pyramid through their work as journalists was not only fascinating, but really an extremely powerful experience for us as Indians that we then wanted to present to the world for us. The women at Kabul Leheria are quintessential modern Indian women. And that's the story that we wanted to get out to the world through writing with fire. Thank you for that, because I am familiar with the term untouchables, but I had no idea the context of it. So that's something from my relatively poor public education here in America. I knew that I knew there was a caste system and I knew there were levels. But I didn't understand where the untouchables fit into that. And this film lays all of that out. And you mentioned the province, Uttar Pradesh, uh, that uh, this where these women are doing their work. And apparently it's a very significant province within India in the politics as we see it play out in the film. But Rintu, uh, up to you, uh, what they start covering in terms of this newspaper that they have put together is, is very brave. It would be one thing if they were talking about cooking and, you know, or something that newspaper was dedicated to something domestic, if you will. But they really go headfirst right into some very serious issues. Talk a little bit about that part of the film, because that, in addition to everything else, they are taking on some seriously dangerous issues, are they not? Um, as a state, Uttar Pradesh is a very highly charged um, region. It's it's uh, in terms of its uh, landmass, it's the largest state in India, and also in terms of population. Politically, it's extremely significant. Um, it's always uh, had a, a high number. It, it's always recorded high uh, number in violence against women and violence against Dalits. So you know that's the cocktail in which uh, women are operating. Can I throw in an interesting fact? Just for context, if, if Uttar Pradesh was a country of its own, it would be the fifth largest in the world. So that's how huge the place is. Wow, well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I think one of the one of the refreshing things for us when we um, started, as I like to say, hanging out with them is uh, seeing that they were the only women journalists in the whole region doing um, what actually journalism is. Because in other news outlets, both print and digital, the women had usually the soft beats, the ones that you're talking about, be food, fashion, uh, entertainment, or a women's section. And here, this was a consummate uh, media organization. They, they, they were uh, what the placement of them as Dalit women in the media landscape was super important for them um, in reporting corruption, in reporting violence, in reporting uh, or, or in, in actually um, asking for accountability. And that's where their brand of journalism comes from, um, because they are reporting from the very community that they're reporting on. So you are as much a victim as you are, uh, you know, out there with the phone wanting to change it. So you're so deeply embedded in that reality. It's, it's almost like a no-brainer for them that this is how, uh, uh, you know, that this is a part of our job. And that burning desire for justice and accountability is what we wanted to capture in the film. Uh, and that's what gives them so much confidence in walking up to a politician, walking into a police station and saying, hey, this is the budget uh, for uh, transport and roads. And, and this is the budget that you have uh, used up. And this is the deficit. This is the extra. And why is there still a road that is not getting fixed? Um, and in, in terms of Again, Sunita's role in the film, she comes from the mining belt. She was a child laborer who then had access to education and has now become journalist. So it's almost a part of her fiber to, to be there and, and report on what she feels is the most significant uh, issue in her region that also um, very naturally attracts a lot of attention on her. Um, and threats and risks and you know calls at midnight saying pull down the stories is is an everyday thing uh, I think what makes them special is the the smart way in which they navigate this danger they're very aware of it but they've formed very smart alliances with folks within the administration with people in power they've been around for 19 years now which means yeah. you know people respect and trust them especially the community um, there's a very natural trust uh, that they have in them, which was then extended to us when we traveled with them. And then it just became like really us observing them, observing and negotiating with their reality. Yeah, I was wondering about that access because you are on the scene with them as they are asking some very tough questions to some very scary looking people. And I wonder, I mean, there were there were guns around, there were weapons around some of these situations. And I wonder, as you, you were talking about uh, or two about their their essentially their ability to navigate this. But for somebody coming in from the outside who isn't as familiar to them and yourself as well, uh, Shushmit, what what is that like for you to be standing around a, a, a fair number of fairly hostile people in an environment where you're far removed from from anyone who could help you really i mean the mythology of uttar pradesh preceded us i mean you hear stories about it you you hear you watch all of these films it's it's a part of our popular culture 
uh, Uttar Pradesh is a country. I mean, India is a continent. It's not really a country. And every state has its own sort of cultural context. So, so going into these parts of the country, we had been there before. But I think what essentially happened was that we ended up traveling really into the darker parts of these states to witness what was playing out really in the backyards where the mainstream media was missing. I think that being there with the journalists on the ground allowed for us to be able to sort of do this very comfortably. I don't know if we would have been uh, able to access this, these same spaces if we were there as filmmakers from the city. But the fact that we were there with women like Mira and Sunita uh, allowed for a certain sense of credibility to the work that we were also doing. So there were many times that people were like, who are these men? Because we thought that, you know, you guys were a women's only news organization. And Mira in all panache would be like, oh yeah, these young men are training with me. They're from our Delhi office. So, you know, so, so that's how we sort of like move through all of these pieces. Um, well, it's, and thank you for bringing to the conversation, Mira and Sunita. These women are, you just can't help but feel uh, just immediately attracted to them for all the things they're doing and their clarity of purpose. And when they have their meetings, their sort of roundtable meetings about the newspaper and getting things done and training people, there's a very no-nonsense um, sort of attitude towards, we're not effing around here. We need to get these, we need more stories. We need you to do, we need you to understand the concept of what the story is about. Some, but it, But it's all done in a way that is without rancor. It's done in a way in which it's it, it's intended to just instruct them and let's move on. Let's let's get this done. So the way, and not only was what they do, it's how they go about doing their business that is so appealing about this. And how can you not just feel the world for Mira, Sunita, and these other women? But those those two in particular, I you know, there are a lot of the film and their attitude when they were questioning the leader, the guy that's running, I've forgotten his name. Was that the political leader who came into town and they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. he would look fairly menacing to me. He was <laughs> nice enough, but still there was kind of that Godfather kind of vibe mm -hmm. to him that you don't really want to push him too far, but they stood right there and held their ground. It was amazing. Those are one of my favorite uh, parts of, of this journey with them where they'd get mansplained um, or like, like there is this, this uh, and you know those moments with the uh, male journalists who are just like oh my god you should be interviewing like this and you know I I that's my biggest takeaway from uh, the experience of making this film how do you negotiate or um, uh, work with people who you don't necessarily agree with who in whose uh, social space you're not necessarily welcome uh, because we all live in our echo chambers uh, and and we all now have zero patience for people who don't agree with us right. and um, and and uh, what does that space look like because they are actually actively engaging with these folks because that's a part of their mission. Right. Um, and now being um, online has meant that uh, when people don't like their perspective, there's, there's massive trolling. And uh, if you are a journalist, uh, a city journalist, uh, the the studio and the organization that you're a part of protects you. There is a certain sense of anonymity that your trolls have. But here it's quite the opposite. Your troll is, could be living in the village that you're walking into. 
knows what color sari you're wearing and where you're having lunch so that proximity of someone who doesn't agree with you is is quite visceral and their attitude is let's engage and then see where that takes us so they will respond to every troll um they will negotiate these relationships very smartly and i i i love sunita for it her her friends are almost all the male journalists um and the police officer yeah. she's so comfortable they tip her off um she gets you know she she hitches rides with them so she can reach reach the location quicker than using a public transport but she's also extremely territorial she will not give away her stories um she will not give away a little secrets and and that's how smart they are and i think in a world which is so deeply fractured and we feel so much cynicism in how things are shaping up that kind of a crystal clear um, vision of this is what my role and position is and this is what i want to achieve and i'm not going to lose hope is really the tool um, and then uh, what i call the absolute intelligence meera should take a master class in the art of interviewing just yes. going like she's slicing away at the and and peeling away at the layers and the other person has no clue what's coming next but they they can't ignore her shishmet the takeaway for for me is that whether you film them or not they were going to continue to do whatever it is what be, before you got there and then after you left they were still the same people doing the same very difficult and dangerous work which is again another whole level of courage to me absolutely they could be teachers they could be doctors right. it just so happens to be that they're journalists and i think they would be changing the culture cultural conversation wherever they were doing whatever it is that they are i feel that you know women like sunita are um strong minded strong willed uh, autonomous young women who are extremely ambitious and i think that we don't see enough of them in our mainstream popular culture and i think what i also found interesting about khabar leheria was the fact that here is a universal template for journalism and this is what happens when you diversify the newsroom uh it's not it's not just men or upper caste men or in the west you know uh, uh, a certain profile of editors who are managing and choosing what is newsworthy this is essentially dalit women deciding and telling you this is important that's all faff yeah. and and especially in an era where news or the meaning of news has changed with with the advent of digital with the advent of whatsapp with the advent of tiktok so to have you know an establishment that is run entirely by dalit women with uh, an eagles eye focus on on what the meaning of news can be and how that news can impact populations essentially when we were on the ground we realized why journalists or journalism is the fourth pillar of a democracy yes. and how critical they are to the very existence of any democracy in the planet and and i think that's one of the reasons uh, why my people and especially journalists across the world have reacted so strongly to this film because they're like when i watched writing with fire i realized why i actually initially wanted to be a journalist because i tangibly see the change that these women are created and that's what i wanted to do but sometimes i've forgotten my purpose and to see the stakes that they are up against gives me great context to how easy in that sense my own life is and so it's just so happy that we've been able to sort of in our own ways amplify the story that comes from a little corner of india but is so relevant for the world at large 
as Mira says, very near the beginning of the film, that how important a free press, a press, an active, involved, engaged press is so vital to a democracy. Because as we see in the film, their reporting got things done, got attention, got things actually for the for people to see an actual manifestation of what they did in their own lives in a way that made it better. And power corrupts. And if it's not held accountable, this is what will happen if you don't hold them accountable. And there's so many things about the film to love. And I'm my congratulations to you on all of the accolades, as well as the run at Sundance and now here at Doc NYC. And the film also opens theatrically um, in, in the U.S., in New York, L.A., and, and, and uh, other cities on 26th of November. It's in, coming to the film forum here. Yeah. So we're yeah. coming oh, fantastic. back. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And you, go, you can go to writingwithfire.in mm-hmm. to find out more about the film, about all the things that you're discussing and we've talked about, as well as just immerse yourself in this film. And um, thank you so very much for your time today. We've been speaking with the co-directors of Writing with Fire, and that would be Rintu Thomas as Shishmet Gush. Thank you so very much for your time today. Really appreciate well, it. Thank you, Mike. We enjoyed this so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.